we have an opportunity here to bring presence to the ceremony that is your life. And my invitation to you is to stop whatever you're doing, wherever you are, just for this one precious moment and take a deep breath. Follow the breath into your root point and land yourself right here, right now, into your present moment. And exhale. Welcome to the space where all the magic is happening and prepare yourself to receive the wild, raw expanse that is available inside the dojo that is your life. You are the empowered center point creator of every single experience that you are drawing into your field at this time. When you recognize that and really get that in your bones, you will receive yourself as the magnet for the most perfectly expansive evolutionary curriculum that is precisely crafted for you to evolve beyond what was in order to claim all that is a match to the you who is free. And that is what we are here to do inside the dojo as we explore what it means to live a life beyond the edge. This is a Soulfire production. Hello, dojo family. I'm coming at you today with my brother, Caduce, and I am so lit to have developed such a deep relationship with this man so quickly through my time spent in Boulder. Mm. And I don't know, life has been doing her thing in both of our worlds. I I've just, I'm up here in a, a mountain cabin house. My mom's visiting and I was a little bit late for the, the podcast as well. Cause I was like trying to make a fire to heat the house and stepping <laughs> into this, you know, like wild wilderness woman, you know, and a lot of that for me got grounded when I spent a year and a half living in Boulder, you know, being in the Boulder winters. And I know you came from city life and have made a transition to Boulder as well. And it's just really amazing the way life brought us together in the ways that it has. And so there's so much medicine and so much magic that I've experienced in the presence of this one from MTV VJ to yeah. medicine man, sound healer, and everything in between. What is it, you know, the journey that it's taken for you to arrive in this now moment is something I'm very interested in talking about. Some of my favorite humans on the planet are the polymathic, multifaceted beings that don't get fixed and attached to any one like conditioned identity. And so I'm really curious to talk to you today about the various forms that your life and expression has taken. Mm -hmm. But before I do, I would love to just hear your why for saying yes to this today and what's lighting you up the most around bringing your voice to the Dojo family. Well, because you're awesome. Oh, well, thank you. Is that a deep enough why? Because you're I, awesome. You know, hey, I'm learning how to receive more deeply, Q, and I'm just going to take that in. So yeah. thank you. That's thank really you. it. <laughs> Amazing. Of I've got a lot of things to share, but more than anything, it's because you're awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. And you know what? I want to be specific here too, because I think sometimes when we say things like you're awesome, mm -hmm. it leaves way too much interpretation. So let me be specific. 
there was a moment where you were in Boulder, you came and you stayed in the room across from me and you were so supportive in a moment where I really needed that specific kind of support. There's a very distinct path that we've been walking that I can't talk about with a lot of people. Mm. And there we were in the backyard and you were sharing with me what your journeys entailed and the way you were sharing with so much transparency and authenticity and depth about what you were experiencing helped me through my experience. Because at that point, I was deep in a very challenging shamanic initiation, for a lack of a better way to put it. Yeah. And there I was in the backyard with you feeling so reflected, so relatable in that. And Mm. it's so distinct that it's kind of like a miracle when you could talk with someone about this stuff. Yeah. And so there you were, a miracle in my backyard. So that's why I'm here on the Dojo Podcast. Wow. Thank you for that reflection. Of course, thank you. It means so much, you know, and I love to open the field that the Dojo Podcast is intended to hold with a lot of intention and prayer that those who are listening, like actually leave the space of listening to this episode more alive, more expanded, more aware, inspired to actually receive whatever's meant for all of y'all listening to receive the most. And I don't ever know what that's going to be on each episode, but I really trust that like what's often what's for me to receive can become this like first domino that then knocks down dominoes that are non-locally, you know, listening in the field in a future now moment that can really have a dose of that medicine. And one thing I want to name on that note is how often we don't realize the impact that our presence, our, our listening, our empathy, our own deep journeys that we've walked, the deep death portals that we've been through. And while you're in it, it's very hard to see at times the perspective that the you on the other side is the you that can be sitting in the backyard of a dear friend in the future and actually have the space, actually not pretend to have the space, but actually have the space to feel with another being that's Mm. going through something that you've been through. Do you know the difference? There's a difference between Mm. sharing with someone that you can feel they're they're doing their best to be with you in it, but the capacity, the integrity, the empathy, it's not there because it's not an initiation that they've also been through. And so your share for me personally is just such an affirmation around and like a encouragement around like keep going. And I know that the next time I'm in a dark night of the soul, because we will always have another round on the spiral. I believe that if we're incarnate in form, we will. And every time it's just a little bit higher, a little bit more perspective. And it's moments like this one right here that I get to take with me into whatever that next one looks like. And have the reference point of, you know, the way that who I be on the other side 
gets to touch the lives of those around me in the same way that the angels who showed up in my life during my most recent dark night are angels that I will never forget. Never, Mm -hmm. never. And so that I got to be that for you in that moment, like what a, like what a gift, Mm -hmm. what a way to forward the medicine, you know? And so if you're listening, wherever you are in the cycle, if you're in a dark night of the soul moment, like I really pray that receiving that is, is acknowledgement and encouragement, like keep going what you're going through. You're going through for a reason first for yourself. And then for all the ones whose lives that you're meant to touch just through the effortlessness of who you have become. And then the second note I want to name is like, oh, receiving, you know, like how deeply do we receive when someone pours into us like Q just did for me? I noticed for myself that at first I was like, I was going to move really fast over your reflection. (laughs) Like there was this tendency to kind of jump out of it. And I was like, okay, let me take a deep breath. And actually take what this man who I respect so much has to say in as deeply as I can, like, let it land. Mm. Like, what is letting it land Mm. actually look like? How do, how do we open our capacity to receive the reflections of our mirrors the most? And now see, right. Where I'm going to go right now is now I'm going to reflect to you. Do you see? It's like almost this instant because I want to, and I love to, and it's true, Mm. but feel that guys, as you're listening, like when the people in your life want to pour into you and give you what it is that you often pour into the others, Mm. how quickly we're like, yes, thank you. Okay. And what about now? Let me flip it right back. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Like let it land, let it simmer. (laughs) If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to like bring it in, you know, like, Wow. Like yeah, it, it's really something. I don't think we talk about it nearly enough in mm-hmm. our society, but it's as much about receiving as giving, because in a sense, if we're not really receiving, we're actually not letting the giver be experienced as a giver. We're actually on some level, not allowing that cycle of energy to propagate and then it gets blocked because we can't receive it for whatever reason because we don't think we're worthy or enough or whatever if we think it blowing smoke up our ass making us feel good trying to get something from us whatever we make up yeah and then we don't end up feeling as good as we can feel yeah it's incredible yeah so i'm curious what has your journey of opening your capacity to receive more deeply Mm. actually look like. And I do have to name just so everyone can start to get to know Q a little more. The scene that he's naming where he poured appreciation into me was a scene where I was, he and his partner, Carolyn, were housing me, inviting me to be their guest, celebrating and supporting the fuck out of me during a big time of transition in my life. They've always shown up as just major allies in my life. And I'm so grateful for the two of you guys. And so it's just really beautiful. The, you know, just the give and take and the offering and the receiving that happens so naturally with us. And it also speaks to just the angelic presence that you've been in my life as well. I love the way that we met with our mutual friend was I was walking down the street in Boulder, heading over to a hike. And Q and I have a mutual friend from LA who was driving a big SUV down the street. And all of a sudden I hear Z just yelled out of the car. And the the big SUV is like, 
turn, like this big U-turn happens and it's our mutual friend. And then there was Q and it was this beautiful moment of like, oh, what's up? I just got to Boulder and we got to drop in then. So I just, you know, life sometimes just throws it right in your face. <laughs> so amazing. It's so amazing. And then, and then, I mean, cut to the moment in the backyard that we started this with. And you're singing this song. It was an Icaros. Can you actually sing a little bit of it? Just give us a little bit of that medicine. Let's see. I don't, it was it Taxi Moyu potentially? Gosh, you know, I don't remember um, exactly. There's one. Well, there's there's one called Taxi Moyu, and it's a song for the universal spirit. And there's another Icaro that I may have sung for you guys that's a water blessing, a Quechuan. Catch you in water blessing. That one. That one. Okay. Okay. Cute. Putting me on the spot. All right. Okay. Fine. No. Hey, listen, you know, I'm Mr. Sound Sanctuary. So of course I would put you in that spot. All right. Let's do it. I appreciate that. Okay. So this is a a Quechuan water blessing that my teacher Patra taught me and, you know, really bringing in the intention it's really important not to share it for for me it feels important not to share it just to share something if mm. i was going to just share something i would share something else mm. this one feels like let's let's bring some prayerful intention to our receiving i would appreciate so much from everyone listening if you're um driving or if you're like really grounded at the moment. If you're driving, keep your eyes open. But if not, I really prefer and and request you to close your eyes. Mm -hmm. And let's just take a deep down belly breath together and feeling the blood flowing through your veins and the blood, the waters of our body and the, the movement of the liquid that makes up most of your physical body as you inhale all the way down to the bottom of the belly and inhale. And exhale. And so we'll bring some presence and prayer to the lifeblood of the waters, maybe drinking some water after this and recognizing as one of my teachers once said, even the sound of the river is healing. Even the sound of the river is healing. Water is healing energy. Chi wang ku chi wang ki toi para yakuta manyan moi Chi wang ku chi wang ki toi para yakuta manyan moi Chuya chinispa chuya chinispa takirikuspa Manyan moi Chuya chinispa Chuya chinispa Takirikuspa Manyan moi Parayaku kausai puni puyu Yaku niski puni Parayaku kausai puni puyu yaku miski puni. Sumau kausai wan yankai ni cheese wan yaki tunchi spi. 
Tijanya Sumal Kasai one, Yankai Nichis one, Yaki Tunchi Spee Tijanya Hai Rai 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 and so that's the Quechuan portion. And it goes on with some English, but for now, we'll leave it there. And the English. That one. <laughs> you, oh, you like that. Beautiful voice. Oh, you have such a beautiful voice. It hits this tone of. The sweetness and it's such a hopeful tone and such a beautiful energy. Oh, Aww. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that you're following that sound, that calling that you have, because that's very specific. Mm. There's a lot of people that sing a lot of different things. That right there is a very specific frequency. I hope if you're listening, you really receive that because, you know, it's funny talking about this word medicine. And I do think that we are the medicine. And how we amplify that kind of a frequency, that truth that each of us has in its own way, it makes all the difference when we share it. And so thank you for sharing. Wow. Thank you. Wow. You are a deep invitation, aren't you? I'm so excited to hear what you're stepping into with the sound healing work. And Mm -hmm. for those of you who have been following me for a long time, you know, you know, brothers and sisters, I've been on a journey with my voice And I used to tell myself, um, I feel like I could do anything I set my mind to except sing. That was my story. That was my story. And as a liberation artist, when I started facilitating the liberation dojo and inviting others to meet and expand beyond their fear-based edges, I recognized the integrity for me is to do the same. And when I really looked at my choice not to sing, while I'm attracting incredible musicians left and right. And I love and respect what they do so much. And I love to sing with them, but I was never singing on my own. I was like, wow, it's just because I'm afraid of the feeling of being rejected, of being judged, of not sounding good and like adversely impacting a space of being perceived as like foolish. Like I had to really look at Mm-hmm. All of those belief structures and fears that I was holding from a time when I was young, where I had, I, yeah, a sibling said, I made a joke about my voice and I just never went there. I just decided I'd do other things, you know? And wow. so it's really only been over the last year and a half to two years that I've stepped into it and decided, you know what? I really want to, I really like to, I really love to. And in the service and ceremonial containers that I hold, I would love to bring my voice too. And so mm-hmm. I've given myself to it and I've decided that even if you know, it takes more, it takes work, it takes commitment, it takes devotion for me to 
grow into the version of myself that's ready to bring my music in the form of Icaros and medicine songs in service of a room, I'm willing to do it. And Mm. so, you know, we're right here at the leading edge of that for me. This is the first time I've ever sung on a podcast or into a microphone (laughs) like this. So thank you for, for bringing that. And I've been doing it in in smaller group facilitations and it feels Mm. really good. And it's just a, a real reminder, I hope for anyone listening that we are limitless. You know, Mm -hmm. when I started, I had three of my closest friends, um, Azria, Brianna and blue, they, they gifted me a guitar for my birthday Mm -hmm. two years ago. And I had no idea how to play any of it. And I just said, I'm going for it. And when I told a, a couple people from my, my earlier childhood about it, there, I could feel the belief of the cultural conditioning that, Oh, it's, it was like, there was support, but it was also like, Oh, I, it's really hard to learn. Like someone really said this to me. Oh, it's, it's much easier to learn an instrument. Like when you're younger, it's, it's really hard to learn something new once you're 35, you know, I was 35 at the time I'm 37 now. And I just was like, I, I love you. And I, I really don't believe that. Mm. I just really don't. And so I've given myself to it. And now it's one of the things I love to do the most is, is play new songs on the guitar and learn. And mm. so I just really hope that anyone listening, and this is true for the women stepping into Dojo Masters, one of one expression of a project that they get to bring through, everyone chooses their own, but it could be learning to do something that is, is an expression that you thought you just couldn't do or wasn't yours to do and, and committing to doing it. And you, Q, are a great example right now. You just showed me the room that you're in with every inter- instrument under the planet all <laughs> around you playing instruments that I'm sure the you five, 10 years ago, wouldn't even recognize. So can a you- ago. <laughs> A year ago. You a year ago wouldn't even recognize- and, and how old are you now? I'm 42. 42. So a year ago at 42, you're just stepping into this next level of your Dharma yeah. that includes many new expressions. So can you rewind us a little bit? Cause now you and I, of course we're vibing. And so <laughs> we're in our vortex, but I just want to get some context for everybody listening around where you come up from. You know what I mean? Like where, where, where did you grow up? Where did you live most of your life? How did you make this transition to Boulder? What were you doing in LA? I know you had an MTV VJ era that was like very mm-hmm. significant. You were working in music for many years. Could just give us some background to create context around where you are now. Yeah, so it started when I was a DJ in high school. It was basically the only thing I was clear about in high school. I played basketball on the basketball team. I knew I liked that. I knew I loved music and the impact that it could have on people. And so I started spinning records and doing basement parties and making mixtapes. And then I ended up on the campus radio show called Breakdown at the University of Ottawa, which is up in Canada, where I grew up mostly. And so that was the beginnings of my work in music. And then I basically was sitting there one day seeing the Much Music VJ search announced up in Canada. It's our version of MTV. And they were looking for a new host. And I felt this freaking thing in my stomach, you know, and you know, it's like, you're, I want that, but I'm terrified of auditioning in front of all of Canada and not being chosen. And so took my brother basically saying, you should really submit an audition tape for this, for me to actually get over my fear and 
submit this tape. And then lo and behold, I got chosen as a finalist in this VJ search. It was seven of us out of thousands of people that submitted from across Canada. And so there I was in front of national TV in Canada, auditioning live for a whole weekend for this job, dream job. I grew up loving much music, watching Master T, this VJ who, by the way, the word VJ doesn't even apply these days. It used to be referred to as VJ. Now it's a post, but you know, it was like a video jockey. I was that guy that was uh, introducing videos and Master T was the guy I grew up watching. He was this dark chocolate man, long dreads, all the way down his back, bangles, all the way up his arms. He was the coolest guy. And he interviewed all the artists and made them feel so good and really brought out the best in them. And I remember watching Master T feeling like that would be ideal. Mm-hmm. And the limited belief that was running there at the same time I can relate to what you're sharing is that I really wanted to be actually making the music. Yeah. But where I was at the time, I couldn't really receive that dream completely. So there I was taking the next best thing in Master T, who was facilitating conversations with these artists. So anyway, I get on this Much Music VJ search moment. I become the runner-up. I don't I don't win, but I was really close. And I was, so I was that guy, like, you know, when the announcement comes, the the zoom in to the guy who loses on American Idol. I was like that guy. I was like, oh, you know. Uh, but it actually turned out to be a blessing because then I got a job on TV Ontario, which was a very humble network, but it was a great place for me to develop my voice and really get more confident about who I am. And so I hosted a show there called Vox, which is Latin for voice. And so I did that. And that was the first proper hosting job I had. And then I enjoyed it so much. I was a co-writer, host. And then a friend of mine from my hometown reached out to me, said, I see what you're doing. I thought you should have won the VJ search. Let me see if I can put you in touch with my aunt, who's a senior agent at the William Morris Talent Agency in Hollywood. Wow. I didn't even know what that was, but I thought it was sounding great. So I was like, sure. You know, yeah. what does that entail? Well, he said, okay, can you put together a demo reel of what you've been doing? The VJ search stuff, the Vox stuff, put it together and I'll send it to her. So <laughs> I put together a demo reel. I sent it to him. He sends it to her. At the time, she's representing Whitney Houston and so many big stars, Alicia Keys. She can't be bothered to watch a DVD of her nephew's friend from Canada. So it ends up sitting there like a coaster on her table for six months. But thank God this guy, Ben, he kept reaching out to his aunt and saying, hey, check out my boy. He's talented to see. Finally, she watches the demo tape. She's like, OK, he's got some talent. Next time he's in New York, I'll set him up with a junior agent there and see if maybe it, it turns into something. So next time I'm in New York, at the time I was also modeling. And so I was there on a modeling job. And so I get this meeting with the junior agent, William Morris. I walk in. This guy, Kenny Goodman, who's now representing actors like Michael B. Jordan, you know, he's like one of the major players in Hollywood. But at the time, he's a junior agent, just came out of the mailroom, basically being an intern. And so, but there he is. He's kind of hungry. He's got that like new agent thing going. And so he's checking me out over the course of five minutes of talking. And he goes, you would be perfect for MTV. He gets on the call with the talent development guy over at MTV says, Hey, I got a kid in from Canada. Can you see him in the next 24 hours? He gets me the meeting. I walk into MTV the next day as nervous as you can possibly imagine. But I remember there was a moment I was in the waiting room and they call me in. I just realized, cause I'd been doing some work on myself recently. I'd done some self-development work. I'd read conversations with God, 
I was starting to tune into this ability to choose what I was going to make of my current situation or, or, or current feeling. And I remember choosing as I was walking into that talent development executive's office, I'm going to choose to make this energy mean that I'm just excited. I'm not going to make it mean I'm too nervous. I'm not able to get this job, blah, blah, blah. You can go down that rabbit hole. And then you next thing you know, you show up insecure in that room. So I said, this is energy. I'm going to channel it. I'm going to make it mean I am excited. Mm-hmm. And so I just let it rip. He was asking me all sorts of questions. I was just letting it rip. I was just shameless, passionate about my love for music. Mm-hmm. And then two days later, I'm back in Canada. I get the call from Kenny Goodman. Hey, by the way, they want you to be a MTV VJ. And they weren't even looking for a VJ at the time. So that was how I started my career on MTV. And then that opened up a lot of doors in a lot of different ways for me as an A&R for MySpace Records and Interscope for some time. I worked as a talent manager for an artist that I was developing while I was at MySpace. And so I've worked in a lot of different capacities. I directed music videos for a while there and all the while hosting stuff here and there when it felt inspiring. I did duets with John Legend and Kelly Clarkson. Some wow. years but then it started to feel like there was something else that wanted to emerge. There was a deeper calling. And so I started to pay attention to that. And then a dear friend of mine, Preston Smiles, invited me to a workshop, a self-development workshop. After I had a few projects not work out, a relationship didn't work out, I was starting to really wonder what's going on here. The common denominator is me. And then Preston comes along and invites me to this workshop. And it was the perfect timing. And I realized in that workshop where I had not really opened my heart and there was so much there that wanted to be expressed. And, and then I basically dove into that work and facilitated for many years in self-development trainings and workshops to help people to find their power and open their heart. And, and then that became something that had a cap on it as well. And then I happened to be put in touch with this shaman who used to be an agent in New York City that I'd met when I first, before I even got on MTV, this is when I first moved to New York, I was about to get on air for the first time. I go to this party in Brooklyn and I meet this guy, John, and he's an agent and he's representing Beyonce for her commercial work at the time. And we have this chat, gives me his card. I'm like, cool. And we didn't really stay in touch, but then years later, there I am being invited to a New Year's Eve ceremony. And it was a dear friend of mine, James, who explain to me what the ceremony is going to entail. I'd never done plant medicine before then. And it was a San Pedro experience. And so there I am at this shaman's home, recognizing him from all the years before as this guy who I'd met at this party in Brooklyn before I started MTV. Wow. And of course we had this amazing reunion around this experience and it was so potent and it opened up a very different type of self-development and an elevated understanding of myself, life itself, the reality that we live in and the depth and breadth of who we really are as spiritual beings having a human experience. And so that's been my journey. So since 2016 and that journey, I've been just following the bliss. I've been following my curiosity. And so it's led me to becoming a sound practitioner. And it's funny I've been deliberating what title to go with, you know, this idea of being a healer and all what comes with that. So I sort of try to call myself a sound practitioner, but I suppose, you know, the end result is that it's a collaboration that creates the healing. 
So it's as much about the participant, as far as I'm concerned, healing themselves with the sound as anything. So that's always the thing that I am concerned about when I hear titles and what people make up about it and go down the rabbit hole, like calling yourself a healer and the traps that happen there, the spiritual ego side of that. And so anyway, I, you know, perhaps sound practitioner is the most practical way to go about it for me. <laughs> sure. I, I love your inquiry. The fact that you're in that inquiry in the first place. Mm. And wow. I just want to acknowledge everything that you just shared in a very condensed way, this <laughs> major multi-year, you know, decades journey mm. that you've walked. And it's really wild that, you know, the bridging that happens between the world of entertainment that you stepped into and how drawn you were to music and sound and vibration and that you always wanted to be the one making the music. But as a host, you were introducing the ones making the music very charismatically and were totally talent in that way, but you hadn't dropped into being the one making the music. And through what I imagine were a series of moments of what I would call awakenings or catalysts or triggers or holy shit, what is happening? My whole life is falling apart moments. You know, when Preston came in and you started the the workshops in the personal development space, like life responds, you know, life responds with everything in the external. That's not a match that, that to who it is you're becoming goes through a shedding and a transformation. And it's like, how much and how long do we grip? That's when we stagnate. And Mm. through as we become more lubricated with unconditional acceptance and compassion to allow that which is ready to fall away to actually fall away. And we get some more life experience under our belt. You know, I'm 37. You just said you're 42 or 43, right? 42. So we're like, I feel like we're just turning the corner, you know, like we're, we're just turning the corner. At least I can speak for myself into a season of my life where I was like, I was driving with my mom today. And I was like, mom, I'm like, I'm getting some grays in my hair. And I was like, you know, like I'm, I feel like I'm, I've earned, like, I'm not quite an elder at all. Like I still feel very young. I feel like sometimes like very childlike, but Mm. there's something about having gone through enough seasons and cycles that it feels like just now, I just now feel like I have enough of them under my belt that when the most recent season of like death, composting, resurrection and rebirth was happening, Mm -hmm. I could, I could hold it with the perspective of the last one. And then the one before that and the one before that, and like really seeing it so not bypassing the humanity of what that process is like, but so like being fully in it, in the feeling, but also holding the awareness that like, yeah, this is a part of who I'm becoming. I, I've become the me on the other side and just barely enough times now and looked back and been like, holy shit, if that didn't happen, then this whole new reality that's even greater would not have had the space to occur. It's very helpful while you're all up in the sauce. You know what I mean? To have yeah, yeah. enough of those. And so I'm just, I want to honor the seasons mm. that you've been through that you just spoke really eloquently and beautifully, but like, yo, you've been through some seasons of yeah, for, yeah. through everything that you just named, you know? I skipped, I skipped a bunch of stuff too. That was gnarly, like divorce and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. That, it really brought me to my knees to be able to then receive this practice of sound meditation and healing 
in such a way that would compel me to actually facilitate it for others, right? So when I look at that breakdown of the divorce, I'm actually so grateful because in the larger picture, it's the reason why I went to the sound healing to actually be introduced. I had no idea this existed before I needed it. Chills. Right? And then so boom, there I am like dying to get yeah. broken through in this moment. Yeah. And that's what happened in 2019. I sat in a sound healing experience like no other. And it helped me decide after months of not sleeping, deliberating, wondering if it was the decision to make. And it helped me actually finally land on that clarity and go through with the divorce. And so when I facilitate sound for others, I am blown away by the honor of being able to give back what I received in that moment. So it is the deepest of callings. And that's why when you said earlier in this conversation, if you're listening and you're going through something, know that's for a reason. That is not a cliche. That is my life. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And I feel that in the integrity with which you speak, even the naming of like, you know, I'm not here to be someone's healer, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're here to be a conduit that is a reminder through the interplay of consciousness and sound, you know, and your channel, their channel, life itself, that everyone, I say this to my clients all the time, you are the only one in there. Uh You are your greatest healer. You know, like those of us who facilitate healing experiences are acting as mirrors, reflections, and conduits for the individuals going through the healing process that I really trust through the law of synchronicity. Anyone that's inside of my container or yours going through these deep healing processes, we tend to attract the individuals into our space that we actually have the capacity to hold because of the similarities and the journeys that we've walked. And so I'm often blown away by how much I just really get it. Mm. Mm. What they're going through, man. How much I can just be with somebody in the no matter whatness of however long it takes and create a field of unconditional love because that is the environment that is most conducive to healing. Now add some gongs and a shruti box and some bowls. That feels like a nice environment for healing to happen. But the healing is when you take that unconditional love and support that you're receiving from a facilitator into the core of your being and Mm. find the match Mm. inside of you where the healing, the unconditional love healing blossoms from soil that is fertilized with unconditional love. Yeah. That means it's it has to be accepted what actually happened, what you've actually been through. The energy of acceptance becomes the fertilizer to even begin healing. Yep. And that can only happen inside. Nobody else can do that. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, so exactly. That's it. And that's why it, it's so liberating actually to be in that awareness as a facilitator of these experiences course we set the table we create the space we bring ourselves fully to it and there is some level of trust that we have done enough and if this person is ready to ascend 
they will. And if they're not, then maybe next time. And more often than not, what I'm finding is that if the right context is created, if there is a certain intake process, if there is a reverence for what ingredients are put before someone before they get there, that they will bring themselves to the moment in a way that I could literally play just one instrument for 20 minutes and they'll get something. Right. And so it's, it's amazing. Like what we're each capable of when we really do see ourselves as our greatest healer. I love that you said that. Cause then it's like, we actually own that. We are children of God. We are created by the most high. How is it that God would have us on this planet, not equipped to navigate what's on this planet? That's not the way it works. But when we're in it, it's really hard to say that and actually believe it. That's and right. then, of course, these, these experiences that we facilitate are reminders. That's what I look at it as. It's like a great reminder. When I've been in a healing process, what it is, it's a reminder of that. It's a reminder of how powerful I actually am. And so it's, it's not magic at the end of the day. It's actually a reminder that we are magic. And we do it together. We're links in the chain. Bless the ones that came before us. Bless, bless John appearing in your life as an angel in that moment and inviting you forward into this shamanic work that you've been doing. Bless yeah. Preston for inviting you to that workshop in that moment, you know, yeah. your brother and ally. Bless my teachers and the elders in my life that taught me that Ikaro. You know what I mean? Bless my, my allies and sisters who've walked with me and invited me forward and believed in me when I thought I was dying and didn't couldn't see the light on the other side. Bless the ones who had gone through it already, seen the light and were able to turn around, look at and remind me that I was going to get there, you know, Mm -hmm. and what a gift and honor it is now for us to be able to offer that when we have the capacity and it's the truth to be able to inside of the containers that we offer. And like we named at the beginning of this episode, sometimes it shows up in the most innocent, adorable of moments where we're sitting in a backyard. You know what I mean? And for anyone listening, your process then becomes that spark for somebody else. And, And there is an awakening deeply needed that is happening and permeating into territories on the planet at this time that have yet to become familiar with the language, you know, that had seemed so cliche and even words like plant medicine. You know, I I had the first conversation ever with my sister-in-law about psilocybin over Mm. Thanksgiving. She asked me and it was such a beautiful feeling to feel like there was curiosity and inquiry there. And I I do think that's in large part due to the mainstreaming and the legalization conversations that are touching, you know, more of a mass mainstream market right now. And there's, gosh, I feel there's beauty and shadow potential in all of that. And in some ways, like the way it led to a conversation with my sister-in-law where we could share in a transparent field of curiosity and inquiry, the benefits of this incredible medicine that has absolutely changed my life to potentially familiarize her a little bit more deeply. What a gift Mm. for that normalization. But then there's also something that comes up in me is I feel a little afraid for, Mm. you know, um, just uh, commercialization of medicine that I've felt to be so sacred Mm. and overuse based on the places that I've seen 
uh, people able to go and access and the, the trauma points that can be touched the unconscious made conscious with the intelligence of these medicines, it really scared, you know, if not held with high intention and safe set setting facilitation sound, it feels, um, like there's some potential for re-traumatization and unsafe use of psychedelic plant medicines, the more mainstream they become. You know, I've seen that with the legalization of, of, um, you know, marijuana, right. It's like such an overuse and it goes into shadow territory where there's beautiful benefits of that particular medicine, but there's also a loss of the sacred in many ways. And some plant intelligences, I feel have a built-in guard like ayahuasca, you know, like it's just that medicine, I feel like just built in the fabric of its essence is a a guard against kind of overuse just in the way that it, you know, it's not, I don't see a lot of people on the weekend, like, let me take ayahuasca and like, you know, be purging all night. Like there's like, you know, there's really, you got to really want it. What are you coming in for with that medicine? You know, and there's such an intelligence it's a strong teacher, same with psilocybin and and so psilocybin is a very strong teacher and I do see recreational use, which is also beautiful and ceremonial use, very beautiful, powerful, incredible. And ah, I'm curious if you have any thoughts. I, I didn't even necessarily intend to go here, but there's this double-edged sword I feel where in one way, the legalization of, you know, psilocybin, these conversations, the decriminalization, wow, like you know, more mainstream research is coming out. Like it's opening up consciousness on the planet to the availability of the intelligence of these plant teachers to more of a mainstream audience, which is the domino effect of awakening that we need to keep this planet alive and to be kind to ourselves and each other's and speed up the healing. My my dear friends, Azri and B in their book, I think wrote about, you know, the real deep inquiry around using plant medicine or not, you know, like meditation on a longer term is a pathway for sure as well. I've always felt both are very important, but they said something around, you know, if you're in a wildfire, you would, it would be okay. If the four, if you're in the middle of a forest and the forest is burning down, you might want to take the quickest route, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so there's something about the, the quantum potential to support healing, awakening consciousness and awareness that plant teachers like psilocybin and ayahuasca and peyote, San Pedro that you named bring that help to speed up the awakening process so that we can make better choices as a collective faster so that we can love ourselves more deeply sooner so that we can relate with ourselves and each other. And this domino effect that we keep pinging can actually spread wider and further. And we can move in harmony as a unit on this planet. All of that, that conversation with my sister, I'm like, wow, good news. Good news. Uh Yes to this. And then there's that other part of me. I'm like, wow, I really pray that we hold these medicines with the reverence and the respect and the patience that they deserve and and really intend for ourselves and those around us if we're going into healing spaces that we're 
working with facilitators and and in safe containers, you know, that that come highly recommended, whether you go more the indigenous route or the clinical route with MAPS trained therapists, you know, really tuning in what's correct for you. Um, But yeah, curious if you have any thoughts on that line. Yeah, yeah. A lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts, because it can be a slippery slope where we give our power away to these plants. And Mm -hmm. It's funny because I've been really in an inquiry with one of my mentors, the great Alexandre Tanous, about using language that has reached a certain level of familiarity and that zeitgeist. And so we even look at a word like medicine and we're in the inquiry and talking about it as a community around how do we refer these things in a way that is understood, but doesn't on some level disempower us. Because if we look at the word medicine, On some level, that's us looking at that as the solution Mm -hmm. to our ailment Mm -hmm. versus it's an ally. It's a tool. Of course, language is one of those things that really does end up seeping into our consciousness. It's the way that we engage. Sometimes we can say a word and it's not loaded with a meaning. Mm -hmm. But if we're not careful certain language will actually disempower us in the conversation. So I think about that from a communicator's perspective. I think about like, how can we start to refine and look at how we communicate this in such a way where we don't go down that slippery slope. And the next thing you know, psilocybin is the next alcohol and people are just hitting it and just putting a bandaid on whatever they can't, or they don't think they can deal with. And that's not empowering ultimately. So I definitely have a lot to say about it. And of course, it's such a helpful thing when used intentionally and not as a crutch. Yeah. So and, it, it's it's a beautiful time to be alive. It's really, it's, it's an exciting thing to yeah. be able to be in Colorado as Prop 122 just went through and Sound Sanctuary is definitely going to be offering a lot of different things down the pipe. We're working on different sort of provisions to be able to facilitate in as many ways as we want to above yeah. board. Yes. And so it's, it's, it's a really exciting time. Amazing. I, I love it. And full, so fully support the work that you're here to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm curious how this is a new creation sound sanctuary. So mm-hmm. as we start to land the ship of the episode, I, I really want to hear a little bit more about the turn you made into the shamanic work you did i think about it was it a nine month shamanic training with it was actually six months of intensive training yeah but it was two years of working with this particular shaman and having a mentorship that kind of extended beyond the actual immersive training and so yeah it's it's been a really beautiful thing and it's one of those things that works in the background not necessarily the foreground of what we're doing with sound sanctuary so helpful though to be in situations where certain things come up that are absolutely beyond the mind and that we can navigate that part with as much awareness as much confidence in where we're going to land because when we open up these doors that's the thing about working with these plants when we open up these doors if we're not seasoned in being able to facilitate what comes up there's a lot that can go sideways i've seen Certain people do ceremony after ceremony after ceremony, doing all sorts of DMT out of a vape pen yeah. and end up spinning off the side of the planet. 
Totally. It's so important. The, the integrity and, you know, the sound is its own, is, is its own expression. It's its own healing frequency. You could, it, it's interchangeable with, with the plant as well in certain cases. Mm -hmm. And so there's, you know, there's shamanic work that happens without any exogenous substance yep. present you know, like you're speaking to um, the way the field itself of life rises as a reflection of what you're being called forward to look at in any given moment and walking with that level of perspective is a huge part of the process of becoming ready to even talk about working with medicine, right. Or, or, um, being participating in, in medicine work. And I'm really curious, especially as you get, you know, you're stepping more into how the shamanic training has informed your work with sound as medicine. How, how has the process of integration played a role in your life, in your own work privately with plant medicine and in your work, just as a being going through the life death life cycles that you have, how does sound support the integration process? And what are, because a lot of what I hear you saying is like, we see a lot of people, you know, come to peak experience after peak experience. And I think there's you know, another alarming thing that I see, um, with the uprising of more use of plant medicine is, you know, um, individuals stepping prematurely into facilitation roles without having had time spent on the earth, on the land with the plants, with elder teachers, you know, sitting in, in dietas and spending deep time there and really, really feeling the call. And part of the form of the call, at least in my experience is the way life itself organizes to support the work and that there's a flow there and it's not coming from getting ahead of anything. It's not coming from an, I'm going to market this. It's not coming from an effort or a force or trying to make something happen. It feels like anything connected to plants for me should grow at the pace of a plant. Mm. It should grow like the way that a plant grows, like it finds the sun and in its most natural way, it grows slowly in that direction and allows the nutrients that it needs to come, you know, and, and when it's time to make its offering, you know, the flower blooms, you know, and the bloom happens when it's ready. It's not in a rush. And I really want to name, you know, we want to watch the rush, you know, yeah. we watch the rush. And, you know, part of that kind of pacing is the process of integration. It's yeah. really recognizing that as we have these big growth spurts through experiences with plants or with a really big sound journey, even if someone comes and has a massively cathartic breakthrough with you with sound alone, no plants, right? Just major, just with sound yeah. from my perspective, before they go to the next psychic intuitive thing, the next sound healing after that, the next, the next, the next, the next, it's like, wow, what do we, what do you need to stabilize this new awareness in your life. Yeah. And so yeah. how have you done that? And how do you see that done best? Well, sound is a beautiful thing in so many ways, not just in the context of a sound healing that one might have here at the Sound Sanctuary. It's something that we can have in our earbuds as we're moving through life day to day. We can make a point of curating our playlists to be at a certain kind of frequency and have a certain sort of a lyrical elevation 
because there's such a smorgasbord of music we could listen to. And that's one of the things that I'm going to make a point of really sewing into the Sound Sanctuary online community is suggestions for music that will actually support us, give us a soundtrack for a spiritual life so that we're not just reduced to whatever the radio is playing that day or whatever is on TikTok. No disrespect, but there, there are these songs that literally can tune us up. So if we're having a weird day, I was noticing as I was navigating the pandemic and my uncle and I having gone through a really hard time at the same time together, we came to find ourselves at these five rhythms dances that would happen weekly. And so as I'm licking my wounds from this really rocky divorce moment, he's licking his wounds from a stroke that he had. And we're finding ourselves basically finding solace in our relationship. And these five rhythms dances every Sunday, I realized, oh, wow, how is it that I hadn't really recognize the power of dancing to certain music before I was at my moment here. And so basically what got me through the pandemic and all the uncertainty that was going on in my life was that I knew every day I felt a certain way. I was going to go to the park and I'm going to put some music on that's going to tune me up. I'm going to dance out anything that I need to process. I'm going to do that dance therapy like my life depends on it. And then my day is going to be better. And that was literally my daily practice. I love that so much. And that was my integration of like having this experience of sound where over the course of seven hours, this genius of a sound practitioner played all these instruments that I now own and that I'm now facilitating. The thing is receiving it, I came away wondering, how how do I get this more in my life? And that was what I landed on was, well, I have sounds coming through my headphones that are feeling elevated and like they're helping me on some level. So let me just be more intentional about that. So that was how I integrated that experience. It also included psilocybin. And I did microdose at some point, and that was helpful to start to, you know, really understand what that could give me access to. But then I did get to a point where I realized, okay, that's not going to ultimately be the sustainable route for me to feel altogether as empowered as I can. And so then it became a matter of looking at how to use myself as an instrument. Mm -hmm. And even if I don't have access to music, that I can move my body to shake out some feelings that are angsty or whatever. We have so much available to us that we don't necessarily tap into because, you know, the belief is I need to go to my next thing in order to feel that. And so my work with Sound Sanctuary is all about getting us to a point of resonance and understanding of our own ability to be that frequency. But sometimes we need reminders. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, like laying down, receiving sound is a reminder that that is actually what's possible for us in this existence. We can feel like this. And so we all need that reminder and we can all be the source of that too. Yeah. Oh, such powerful reminders and such full ownership of your power as a creator and that inner healer, like that you are that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And when it's the hardest, like you, when you most don't want to go to the park and dance, that's when mm-hmm. you need to go dance. When you most don't want to meditate, that's when you need to go meditate. I'm talking to myself. You know what I mean? When we most don't feel like doing the thing, you just want to, you know, wallow 
likely that's the time that there's something that you could give to yourself that a past version of you just could not access. But the you at the leading edge of your life has something available right there as soon as you do. And if you don't, that's okay too. That's that unconditional acceptance and compassion field I'm talking about that's really powerfully supportive from my perspective. It's the lubrication that allows evolution to happen. It's like, yeah, I'm available for myself to show up in a new way in this scene. And if I don't, I'm not going to beat myself up about it. That's like my number one commitment. And then the next scene, maybe I show up a little bit differently or maybe I don't, but maybe I do. And I'm more likely to do if I'm not beating myself up about the last one. So so much about what you're saying just really makes it like it inspires me to want to like bow in honor of you as a highly masculine brother like you're a highly you're a masculine guy you're like a dude Coming hot. Huh? <laughs> spicy. you're spicy and like you're you're a strong you know powerful big voice brother and you have a history like being in highly like mainstream environments in like the world of mtv and entertainment and i just really see you as the courage that it takes to make this leap into into bridge into the world of personal development and consciousness, which I really hear you didn't have another choice. Like that was like you had your awakening moment. And this is the this this language and this way of growing as a human being is what like activated the next level of your life. Yeah. And so here you are. And I feel like, you know, there are certain codes that we all have. And the past lifetimes that we've had in this lifetime can inform who we reach, who we're, who we're able to reach because you hold the integrity, you get it. So a whole world of individuals in the entertainment space and in the music space that may not in any other context be available to sit in a sound healing session may, even if one out of a hundred show up. And then there's another one in there. And then maybe one out of a hundred in their field show up. And then maybe five out of a hundred in their field show up. And then 10 out of a hundred in their field and 50 out of a hundred in their field. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, this spreading of the vibration of love, however that shows up in everyone's life and the space and the permission to feel. And that's where the healing happens. And I just honor who you are and the courage it took to become who you are today. So can you share with us as we, you know, close out here a little bit about, you know, next steps of getting involved with you, of working with you, of the Sound Sanctuary? I know you guys are launching an opening soon and going to have your own podcast. So where can everybody find you? Yeah, so soundsanctuary.org is where all the resources will be. There'll be a really right blog there. I'll be sharing a lot of these thoughts and different resources there as well. So come and get some goodies there. And then I'm also on Instagram and sound sanctuary is also on Instagram. And uh, we're going to be sharing a lot of the practitioners that I've come across that are really worth checking out. And so the vision for sound sanctuary is really a community of practitioners for sound and also the people who are interested in getting and receiving this practice. And so a platform that's going to really connect those dots, because as it is, it's kind of like the moment before yoga had studios in every city. You couldn't necessarily just find a yoga teacher. Maybe you heard rumblings about a yoga teacher. And now we're looking at sound in the same way. It's having this moment where people are really recognizing the power of sound. The science on this is 
incredible. The results were there. And so now there's this emergence of interest. And so we're building a platform to really be able to have this work be where it needs to be, where it has an awareness and the dots are connecting and you can actually look up a practitioner in the city that you're in on soundsanctuary.org and get matched up with a sound practitioner that we have vetted for you. So that's really what we're up to. We're creating an ecosystem for sound practitioners around the world. Ah, yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Q. Thank you for the work that you're doing. Thank you for the way you show up and how you serve and the way that you love. I just, you're one of my favorite humans on the planet. And I'm so grateful to walk with you and for your time and voice today. Mm-hmm. And to everyone. Come to the healing, by the way, come, come to Boulder and come to the sanctuary. We'll give you a really nice sound meditation. Uh-huh. Well, sign me up. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, We'd love to have you. I mean, that's the thing right now. We're, we're really open for the Boulder community and those who are passing through and uh, I would love to have you here and, and play all these instruments for you. I can't I, wait that. I, I already had the vision while you were talking and showed me those instruments earlier. I was like, oh yeah, next time I come into town in the spring, I'll be there for a longer term, I think. And I was like, I'm definitely going to come for a sound session with you. So we're put, put a pin in it until, until April. Uh-huh. Got you. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you all for the depth of your listening and receiving today. So much gratitude for all of you. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you all for creating this space to receive this transmission and for having the courage that it takes to live your life beyond the edge. If you feel the call to go deeper with me privately or explore the dojo ecosystem, the best place to start is by visiting zaharazimring.com and taking your free micro dojo. You can also find me on Instagram at Zahara Zimring, and I love hearing from you guys. So feel free to send me messages, make comments, and I will absolutely get back to you. I also would deeply appreciate if this episode or any of these episodes have touched your heart, leave a review as it really supports this show in touching more hearts and more lives all around the world. Thank you for joining and I'll see you next time.